Vodka. Hey there, everyone. It's Amber Love from Vodka Clock Podcast of uh, AmberUnmasked.com. Don't forget, this is an explicit website and podcast. So if you're easily offended or under 18, you should probably just go away. And today, my guest is Shannon Wheeler, who is the creator of Too Much Coffee Man. He's a political cartoonist, very entertaining on the Twitters, and hopefully someone who's not easily offended. Yay! Hi, good to be here. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've I've been following you on Twitter for a while, and I bought that gigantic omnibus that's like the Magna Carta. <laughs> And, um, you know, but I saw that you have some sort of news that you were just submitting. Something's going on. I want to hear about it. Uh, the Bible. We've been working on the Bible. Um, oh, oh. That news or which which news? I've got, I, 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 the Villain House. That's another project I'm just yeah. wrapping up. Yeah. Something maybe was it something Dark Horse related or that's, was it? That... Yeah, that's the Dark Horse one is the Villain House. And that's uh, Dark Horse Presents. Um, yeah, they, they asked me uh, maybe a year ago, actually, no, when they, when they were just relaunching it, they're like, Oh, come do it again and do a dark horse presents. And uh, I proposed several different ideas and, um, yeah, they went for villain house, which was like a villain oriented short stories, kind of Oh Henry style. Okay. Now, um, how, much experience did you have doing this sort of thing before? Because, you know, I know you from Too Much Coffee Man and your little, uh, you know, one panel cartoons. It's, you know, I, it's sort of, it's like Too Much Coffee Man, but not, uh, but not meta the way that Too Much Coffee Man <laughs> tends to go meta. Um, <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's right up my alley. I mean, sometimes running plots and resolving plots is not, um, not my strongest suit, but uh, all these are so short. They're like these little vignettes, and so I usually think up the ending before I go into it. And, that makes and is is this prose then, or is this going to be sequential? Oh, it's sequential. It's it's definitely it's like kind of late sixties, early seventies type supervillains. Um, back in the day, like Stan Lee just made the dumbest heroes and villains, and as a kid reading it, I just was always oh, amazed. Sure. Like there was an uh, Australian supervillain called the Kangaroo, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, it's just just awful, right? Like Pace Pot oh. Pete was just ridiculous, and oh well, DC has plenty of them as well. I mean, the the original Clock King. Was oh yeah, just magnificently, gloriously horrific, and uh, I mean now he's dapper. I love him now. But. <laughs> I just yeah, I love that sort of irreverence and like let's just dive and then too much coffee man has always been pretty stupid so well, uh, yeah well yeah that's what i kind of thought of because it's like you you know you sort of like put him in this romper spandexy jumpsuit thing and he's got the giant coffee mug on his head um so like i definitely had that homage to it like the old clock king his whole head was a clock and <laughs> um you know shocker her was it shocker no it was electro i think with the great big mask thing and they yeah they all had something weird yeah electro is great and then there's a shocker later that was the he fought spider-man yeah that kind of um oddly like a, sewn suit or something yeah yeah he had like fishnets yeah right. they were they were like fishnets 
yeah, I just, I wanted to do something like that where I was like, okay, let's, and so I just, I started making up these villains um, and, and then putting them in situations that it, it was, Oh Henry or Twilight Zone would be the other way to think of it where basically their own um, efforts kind of backfire on them. They're always, most of the time they're, they're like well-intentioned and trying to get out of a situation and it just makes it worse for themselves. And oh, definitely. So there's like a, you know, it's, it's the, the best uh, way to use irony, you know, if, if you know what you're doing, so, which a lot of people don't. Well, the, yeah, like, like there's this one guy that can jump back in time for five minutes until he gets particularly arrogant because he'll get into a situation and somebody will shoot him and he'll go back in time five minutes and be able to know where the bullet's going and avoid it. And so he consistently, you know, can save himself. And so he's just always doing these horrible things. And then, but then it turns out that the narrative of it, um, he's the narrator of the story and he's just waking up and he's been falling out of a plane for six minutes. Uh oh. And so he can jump back and he's still falling and he's still a minute. And, yeah. and he knows that, you know, like he just has to stay awake. And as soon as he goes to sleep, he's going to hit the ground. And that's the. So that's, yeah, that's like, that's a Twilight Zone type, you know, but with a super villain power twist. And I, yeah, it's just something I've always wanted, you know, is that kind of fun in comic, like real comic books. I don't know. It's, <laughs> do you, <laughs> do you game at all? Do you, do you get into any of the games? Um, oh, you mean like the new, um, like, like D&D or, or role playing games or? Yeah, well, the, um, the video games. You can talk about tabletop, whatever you want. Um, a little bit, yeah. I've, I, you know, I started getting back into. I, I try to avoid it because it will just suck. Suck your life away. Yeah. Exactly. Fable um, played that. Um, yeah, there's some really good ones. I, I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, what is it? Bioshock that's coming out. Um, yeah. Well, I, all, all I've seen um, people talking about this week was Injustice, DC's Injustice, that you're going to be able to. I guess you're going to play the Justice League characters, whereas I'd rather build my own character. Yeah. Yeah, I'd much rather build a character. Huh. You know, so I never got to, to do the uh, DC online, but um, but I think it's fun to come up with the characters and come up with designs and stuff. Yeah, I would have loved that. But no, I try to avoid it because it'll just suck my life and... As it is, I can barely, I've just taken on way too many projects and barely get through them. <laughs> so you actually do drink coffee, though. This is not like, too much coffee, man, is not just, you know, because you gave it up or something and you're longing <laughs> for it. Like, you know, writing about smoking, man, because you can't smoke anymore. Right. <laughs> uh, all the sex jokes there. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I do drink coffee and, and yeah, I grew up in Berkeley and so I was actually, my mom would take, uh, go down and buy coffee from, uh, Pete's Coffee, um, when I was a kid and down, down at the first Pete's Coffee. So yeah, I have a, um, yeah, you know, in Berkeley too, that's a real coffee city. Sure. So did it like stunt your growth? Are you really like, you know, four foot five? <laughs> well, I I didn't actually I didn't drink it until well into college. Yeah, um, me too. That's when I started. And then yeah, I started architecture, and that was it. Then I had to start drinking coffee. Um, but it was something that my mom always did, and so I avoided it. <laughs> 
And now you're, you know, an artist, so you're not allowed to sleep. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, the best working times are you know, starting around 10 or 11 o'clock at night and I working until 4 or 5 in the morning. Yeah, that's what they all say. I could never really get into that sort of thing. I'm that crazy person that's up at like 6 o'clock. Oh, I wish. I, I'm so jealous. That would be... Although we could cover a shift really easily then, like I'd be going to sleep right, right when you're getting up. And Yeah. Too bad I can't draw. I would, tot- I would gladly <laughs> ink your work. I would... That'd be perfect. But um, yeah, no, just finishing up. Yeah, finished up Villain House um, and doing the, the fourth of uh, four stories in there. And then they're talking about collecting it into a comic and putting that out pretty soon. Um, and then I keep coming up with more story ideas. And so I want to keep building the little universe um at a one of the ex, there's a girl on a date in one of them who's just a peripheral character and she kind of collects the items from superheroes and super she dates these villains and heroes and ends mm-hmm. up you know like stolen t-shirts with it and so i want her to come in as a character later like a year or two down the line and she's actually a super villain in her own right now and I have a little oh, very nice yeah, and I want to pull in other writers and other artists and and just basically tell people, like, yeah, take any character you want and kill them or make their lives horrible or, you know, it's – that's – what What's the worst thing you've ever done to a character? Um, well, there's a the hapless victim on a date with a, with a woman, and it, there's a little bit of a, a mislead in there, so I hate to blow the ending, but – yeah. Basically, I mean, because I think the yeah. jumping out of the airplane endlessly is pretty bad. <laughs> that was pretty, yeah. That's kind of <laughs> probably the worst. <laughs> I can't go to sleep. I'll die. Um, yeah, he gets he's on just on a date with this woman, and then you kind of think that he's going to be the supervillain because she keeps talking about how she's dated supervillains in the past and how bad it was and. And so you think that he's the reveal is going to be that he's this a supervillain himself that he's trying to hide, but actually then he tries to prove that he's as powerful as her ex boyfriends, um, and so he breaks into the uh, Satan's son's house, and then gets sent to hell, and then she starts flirting with Satan's son to date him. Um, oh well, he is dreamy, right? Isn't he always dreamy? The Satan's son. Yeah. Anytime oh, yeah. there's, you know. Usually, usually they are. Yeah, and actually, I want to pull him back out as a story where he wants to be a rock and roll guy, but doesn't want to call on his father for help. Yeah. And so he has this very sort of like folky music because there's no, <laughs> there's no Satan in it at all. You know, like, and, like if you just put a little bit more salt in there, a little more Mick Jagger, and you'll be good. It's like, no, 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 I, I'm going to do this on my own. And you know, I don't. Oh, the the legend of Robert Johnson. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the son of Satan in in Marvel comics is just always just one of the dumbest characters as well. And I was like, oh. well, last time, last time I saw him, I think he was like, you know, like shirtless and you know, chiseled and blonde hair. He was just like all hot. Yeah, they revamped him, but that's just stupid in a whole new way. <laughs> well, he looked like he came out of you know Supernatural. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is kind of, you know, everything is CWified these days. And even Hellblazer used to be kind of dorky, and I guess they've made him uh, kind of more like hipster or something. I don't know. I'm, t- I'm tired of all the hipster 
super yeah. serious. Well, they ended that. Well, I don't know. I, mean, I guess he's still in the other book, but they ended Hel- the Hellblazer, right? That's kind of sad in a way, too, though. I was, yeah, it's like the end of an era. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't have that same dorky quality as Pastepot Pete or... <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I just imagine, like, Stan Lee sitting around, like, reading the newspaper or something going, ah, what's popular with the kids? Oh, surfing. What's what's uh, silver? That's a word that's like you know starts with an S. Silver surfer, and yeah. you know, like that's the you know wellspring of. He very easily could have been the sapphire surfer. Exactly. Yeah, it was a hair's breadth, you know. <laughs> so, um, I, in too much coffee, man. You sort of like you said, it's very meta. You have a comic book creator inside the comic book, yeah, and he's trying to sell his comic about. <laughs> So, and you have him as like this, you know, this sort of trollish kind of guy. I mean, he's very nice and friendly and lovable and all, but he just like has no friends and he's sad and he's just got these crazy teeth. What's going on with him? Well, originally, okay, at the time, it was the 90s and there were a lot of uh, autobio comics that were coming out and all these people were drawing themselves as these kind of virulent or geeky, but, but sexy people and it, this was a real counterpoint to that i just thought okay you know like joe matt robert crumb um seth all these guys kind of had a even uh dan klaus you know like they, they sort of had this or, or pete bag you know like they had this shtick of of uh these characters and i just was i was kind of reacting to you know making fun of that a little bit and going you know like let's just make this a big strong guy and um, it was just a gag. Um, but also, I mean, emotionally, I wanted to create that feeling of uh, when I'm drawing comics, I feel like a bull in a china shop a lot of times. <laughs> There's just this awkwardness to drawing. And I wanted to I wanted to communicate um, that feeling. Here's my coffee. Here's the coffee. <laughs> yes. At least it's not it's not Shannon at the urinal. Folks. No. <laughs> That's in about five minutes from now. <laughs> That's after the pot of coffee. That's right. It's okay. Take us with you. We want to experience your world. You're there. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It just, yeah, doing the, the autobio comics, and it was a way to express that feeling. Like, there's a little run about how he's talking about, like, why create anything? There's already tons of comics out there, and it's just like bringing sand to the beach, and the endless waves rolling in and I, yeah, it was a way to not um, feel compelled to do gags like on too much coffee, man. There's at the end of the page is you, you know, or even every panel, there's a gag or a joke to it and saying, I'm going to go with the autobio stuff. I could, I could run a narrative and be a little bit more existential. When did you start, you know, drawing and cartooning in general, like, um, you know, was it just, was it a high school thing? Like making, making cartoons or even before I'd say fourth or fifth grade, maybe, no, it was, Oh God, it was even like first or second grade. Uh, that I just wanted to do comics. Did you, yeah. Did you like staple them? Like, say, like make them all into pages and staple them all together. Yeah. And then my, um, my my family's always been very supportive, and so for presents, I would do these, you know, I'd spend four or five days on a comic strip and give that to family members, like my grandmother or my mom or um, 
yeah, it was just, it was a way to, yeah, to give something really personal and. That's awesome. Yeah. But then, you know, I'd go in and out of it. Like in high school, I wanted to be a uh, fine artist and not a comic book guy. Um, but then, and then in college, I wanted to be an architect. Um, I don't know. I, what I, what I liked about comics is that it was a real way to do art and then relate to an audience at the same time. Um, whereas art felt, felt real isolated and a little bit elitist and comics have always been, um, pedestrian or, you know, they, they're for the people kind of. That's before you realized comics were elitist. <laughs> I know. That's just only happened in the last five or ten years. I don't know. When when did they get hit? It's a yeah, I mean, what do you think of some of the fan rage? I mean, I don't know. It's, some of it's really outrageous that there are creators that get death threats on message boards. Oh, I don't know. That's Yeah. Um, I guess some of those are my friends that are getting getting the death threats, not giving them. Um yeah, I remember, uh, Brubaker said that he almost got beat up in a bar. Because they're like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I, I write Captain killed America. Captain America. Like, You're the one that killed him. You killed Captain yeah. America. And he had to leave. But he, he might, he was probably exaggerating too. He, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I... No, I'm sure. No, I doubt. I doubt he's exaggerating. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's good that people are involved, you know. It's not good that they give death threats, but... Yeah, I mean that's that's a bit much emotional investment. That's a yeah, it's a good thing. But so has anybody you know had fan rage with you? Um, I imagine because you do get political. You know, you have you know because you do different kinds of work that you do have political cartoons. The one that got the most rage response, oddly enough, was an apology cartoon where. I, it was just a long apology for the United States of America. And the, 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 the gag was that if we're going to have pride in our country, this was kind of around 9-11, um, <clears throat> then we also need to have shame for our country. Like we have pride for the good things, then by, you know, we also need to have shame for the bad things then. And so I started to apologize for, you know, genocide and, you know, killing Native Americans and taking land and the pollution that goes to other countries and uh, imperialism and the, the work labor camps that we have going in third world countries to, you know, our materialism and the trash that, you know, it's just like all the sort of like liberal things that are, I feel are, you know, it's, we should apologize for these things. We should feel bad about pollution and, um, you know, that we generate plastic for, you know, it's just, what a nightmare. Why are we doing it? Anyway, yeah, so it was just like a, I'm sorry. You were called like a communist. Yeah, it was like that cartoon-inspired anger. And I'm like, wow, well, like, why? Like, of all the cartoons where, you know, I, you know, there's cartoons where I say that we're like uh, Nazis because we're, we see all these crimes happening around us and we do nothing. And then the you know the gag there is that he's like well actually that's more like we're German citizens watching the Nazis allow it to happen and then they you know then they argue about if you're going to have a metaphor you need to get it right otherwise people are going to ignore your argument altogether and um, but that one I thought was like that's 
you know, you're bringing in Nazis and, and like, that's offensive, right? Oh, yeah, that's a lot of baggage. Right. And, yeah, but yeah, you know, but it's one of those things where every single president that I, like, since I've really been conscious of any kind of politics, I swear every one of them I've heard called the Antichrist, where people actually have some sort of you know, checklist and say, no, look, he does, he's got this and this, and he meets this criteria and this criteria and this criteria. Right. Like it's, they're really, yeah, they are really wrapped up in their mythology of, you know, finding somebody to hate that much. Yeah. 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 Well, people love to hate. It's a real um, unifying factor, you know, like let's all get together. That was, I, I, at one point I wanted to start a religion where we hate God. Because I thought, you know, God gave us death. God gave, I mean, if you believe in God at all, but, you know, this, and so if we all got together and said, yeah, let's hate God together, then humanity could sort of like band together to fight the horrible things that God does to us. Yeah. I don't and, know. <laughs> and people aren't going to, well, yeah, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. It yeah. is. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm neck deep in doing these cartoons for the uh, Bible right now, too. So I've. Uh, yeah, what is this? You're doing cartoons of the Bible? Like, I mean, I've seen illustrated Bibles before. It's like illustrated Bible, but it's a like gags. I'm doing, um, so I've got like Hosea talking about his wife who's a whore and, you know, he's making a joke about whores or something. It, um, a, a, a buddy of mine rewrote the Bible so that each book is condensed down to about three paragraphs. And then, and then I did a gag cartoon um, for each book. Um, so, that's great, because now we all have the attention span of Twitter. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, the, the translation, too, is incredibly – I've tried to read the Bible a few times. and Yeah. See, Adam and Eve just couldn't get to the mall. Right. <laughs> If only they had Twitter back then. That would be they, yeah. Obviously, they were not from New Jersey because there's a mall every 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's Yeah. The Bible, it's interesting. Mark's goal in rewriting this was he said that it's one of the most or the most influential piece of literature in Western culture. And he feels well until Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. That's that's outsold everything. <laughs> that's true. Did it did it beat the Bible? I think it did, didn't it? I think it has. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank God I haven't read that one yet. Um, <laughs> there you go. Do the illustrated version of that. <laughs> Just but, the gag versions of like. Yes, the illustrated gag versions of it. Please, please, I beg of you. <laughs> I don't know. The less we touch that one, the sooner it'll go away. I think. <laughs> I don't think so. It's like herpes. It's coming back. Oh, don't say that. They're, they're making a movie. Really? Yeah. Uh, is it going to be in black and white? It seems. I don't know. Like it should, but if it's Fifty Shades of Grey, I don't know. What... Spot colors. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tried doing some gag. None of my gag cartoons on Fifty Shades of Grey um, sold. I, I What was the gag? Oh, Fifty Shades of Blue. It was a book about. A guy who couldn't have sex and he was sexually frustrated. <laughs> that was, I think that was the best one. They were all terrible. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't sell to the New York. <laughs> not quite making the grade there. But. Oh, my goodness. They're, yeah, not, not highbrow enough. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Because they were all offended because they've all read it. Yeah. They were all fans. <laughs> they're all the people who have it on their iPad so you don't see what they're reading. Oh, that'd be great. It probably did. But I, I go down there and I, I just have to remind myself, like, every single person at the New Yorker is 10 times smarter than I am. And, and then I just I, – I'm in there, too, and, like, I get lost in the hallway. You know, like, I'm walking around. It's silent like a church. Just everybody's just quietly working on things, and then the cartoon. All the smart is that it? They just they they're so smart they can't talk. They can't. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, except the cartoonists come in and start making jokes about, you know, bathroom farting or something. Farts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I'm like trying to figure out how to make coffee, and I can't. It's some weird machine that you put these little packets in, and yes. I can't even do that. You know, and I'm like, how do I do this? <laughs> Like, where is the coffee part of the coffee? <laughs> Where's the start button? Like, well, first you have to hit the, the button, coffee button. Yes, yeah, this big red one in the middle. And, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's yeah, you have to be some sort of engineer to make a cup of coffee now. Yeah, like first grade. I mean, the thing's simple. I'm just dumb. I mean, like, that's how, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this is how you do it. And it's like, you know, once they, this woman who's probably the secretary and still, you know, double PhD. And yeah, I was going to say, she probably got her Harvard degree and yeah. And I'm, I'm like, wow, I am such an idiot. And now, you know, I've confirmed what an idiot I am, but yeah, it's not, it shouldn't be that complicated, but for me it is. Yeah. What, what, how do you normally like your coffee? Are you a French press guy? Uh, Orally. Oh, Okay, so you're not into the enema. I've heard they're good. <laughs> we did try. Actually, we I had a, a magazine a while back, and we we heard about the coffee enemas and ended up writing an article about it. So I actually know a lot more about it than I probably should. But so yeah, we got this young punk rocker who's like, yeah, you know, I want to write for the magazine. I'll do anything. I was like, oh, write this article on coffee enemas. He's like, yeah, great. And he comes back with this article, and it was obvious that he hadn't done it. Oh. And we were like, no, if you're going to write an article about coffee enemas, you've got to, you've got to do it. Experience it. <laughs> yeah, you can't fake this. And he's like, oh, okay. So then he comes back and he, he's like, you know, well, I don't want to talk about it too much, but I wouldn't do it again. And we're like, no, we want to mm-hmm. know what it's like. Like, you know, you're laying on the bathroom floor and like what, you know, what is this like? You know, like tell us how it's different from a normal enema. And um, he never – so – we then came up against the deadline, so then we had to decide, like, okay, what are we going to do? And so we all, in our, you know, individually, did coffee enemas and came back and talked about it. And uh, Tony Simon wrote a hilarious article about uh, laying on the bathroom floor, listening to this. <laughs> what was uh, like uh, something wrong? Like this heavy metal music, and he said that he said that he wished he'd picked something other than. Um, it was like Dead Kennedys, I guess, punk rock. Uh, yeah, he's like, I wish I'd pick something other than this. You know, like the, some Enya. Like I could, I, I could think it's either going to go either way. Like it's either going to be something thrashing or it's going to be Enya. Yeah, yeah. He he regretted his music choice. But, um, so yeah, no, we we've done the coffee enema thing, and um, I don't know. You know, Michael Landon, he was on uh, Johnny Carson. That was a funny little bit because I, you know, you Google it and. Um, he was he was fighting colon cancer because a lot of people think that a coffee enema will help colon cancer. Right. Obviously, it didn't help Michael Landon. But so he was on Johnny Carson, 
saying, you know, I'm fighting cancer, and oh, what are you doing? He's like, try everything. He's like, uh, coffee enema. And then Carson, without missing a beat, says, oh, do you take cream with that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was cut to commercial immediately after, but, but that was pretty uh-huh. good. Oh, you got to love a good zinger, a well-timed zinger. And Carson, too. I mean, and Carson, yeah, I mean, come on. It, yeah, it wasn't a writer. Like, he actually said it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm always, like, one of those people who I think of the zinger 15, 20 minutes later when I'm, like, in my car. Yes. <laughs> of yeah. course. Like, God damn it, I should have said this. Well, you got the podcast now. You can always uh, edit it in. Edit. Yeah. Yeah. I need that in life. I need to... <laughs> That's what my superpower will be. Uh, if you know? you're the five minute man, you could just jump back in time jump and back. think about, oh, think. got that gag and yeah. get that zinger in there. Do you remember what your first uh, strip was that you sold to the New Yorker? Oh yeah, of course. Are you kidding? Um, it was uh, uh, two cats talking, and one of them saying, "Didn't I see you on YouTube riding a Roomba?" <laughs> and. So, Everybody loves that. Come on. That's awesome. <laughs> right. You know, it's got the pop culture. So I'm walking down the street and I see a couple buddies of mine, the other comic book guys, and and they're like, oh, you know, we start talking. And they're like, what are you up to? I was like, I just sold my first cartoon. They all knew that I'd been trying to get in for about eight months. Now, I just sold one. And, and then without <laughs> – one of them goes, oh, what is it? Two cats talking? And the other one goes, yeah, saying something pithy. And then he goes, oh. he goes, some sort of pop culture reference that won't be funny in five years. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that you're going to have to explain to your kids because they'll have no idea what it means. And they just went on and on like, yeah, that's exactly the cartoon I did. You're like, Thanks, guys. It was, it was, I was like, wow, you know, I, I'm so glad that I actually have friends that aren't sycophants. You know, that what, you know, they... Like, yeah, you got the New Yorker, but, you know, you still suck. So <laughs> keep in perspective here. It's like, yeah, that's, that's a, it's kind of great. Oh, my God. Uh, does it ever, like, weird you out that you've sort of left this imprint that, you know, will be around long after you're gone? Because <laughs> somebody asked me that one. Somebody you know, said, said, hey, is it really weird that, you know, there's, like, statues of you in places and paintings of you? I'm like, no, it's awesome. I expect archaeologists in, you know, 500 years to unearth these and think I'm a goddess. Yeah, I mean, that. yeah, that is, I think it's rad too, but I do have a very um, existential view of like, we're, you know, it's everything is temporary and we're all, you know, here, even, even things that last a thousand years are still, you know, gone. And what we think is important is going to be inconsequential, uh, you know, 10 years from now. So, um and what's funny is that, you know, like I'm going through the Bible and it's like, you know, okay, here's this judgment, that judgment, please God and blah, blah, blah. And then I hit Ecclesiastes and I start reading that. I'm like, wow, this is, you know, this is so simpatico to how I feel. It's very, it's like the one book of the Bible that doesn't mention God. And that's where that, that line, um, dust in the wind comes from is it's a reference in part to Ecclesiastes where. Besides Kansas? Yeah. <laughs> It's just, yeah, but, you know, I, people get tattoos, but, eh, you know, they're, like, they're yeah. going to die and, you know, I get, if we had maybe lampshades if we're lucky, but probably not. Um, you know, it's it's all temporary. I don't know. 
I don't know. I mean, because it's one of those things. Like, there's a lot of times people just say, well, you know, artists aren't usually famous till they're dead. And, you know, like, it's not true. But when you think about was would Andy Warhol ever have cared that, um, you know, there's a museum for, for his work and stuff. There's a giant wasp that just landed right <laughs> close to me. What is this doing? Okay, this is not how I celebrate the first week of spring. Oh, just take a glass and, you know, put it, save them. Take, actually, the wasps are pretty mean in terms of yeah. insects. Those are, those are the villains of the insect world for sure. Like, I'm, I'm very much used to the stink bug infestation I have, so... <laughs> I was really shocked that something that gigantic was just near me. Oh, that's funny. Um, but anyway, yeah, sorry. So art we were talking about. Yes. Um, do you have like do you have a favorite type of like do you have a favorite artist or period? Uh, I you know Duchamp I like a lot and uh, in part because of his humor and there's such an overlap with um yeah just the way he I don't know I like Duchamp a lot. Um but he did ruin art for everybody um even even more than warhol did i think um because he you know he's the one he takes the urinal he turns it upside down he had the whole like everything is art mm-hmm. but he kind of did that as a joke and people have taken it and a little seriously i don't know now tilda swinton is napping in the museum yeah that's kind of funny i guess i don't know it's um Basquiat I like. Um, we have a really bad Basquiat in the Portland Museum, so that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> um, there's, uh, you know, as a, when I was younger, I really liked the really, you know, hyper-realistic things. I was impressed by technique, and now I'm more and more impressed by, um, you know, the emotions yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We get into a lot of um, when I well, and I and I don't get to work it much very anymore. But um, a lot of John Singer Sargent conversations. Yeah. I, it's a guilty. Pl- I love Sargent, and I wish I didn't. But there's something about that the richness of it. I'm like, oh, it's so pretty. But it's kind of tacky too. I guess. No. No. I mean, okay. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I love Sergeant. I would disagree with you. Sergeant's awesome. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> but yeah, when, uh, like Duchamp, I think he roller skated through the Louvre at one point. Um, I mean, that's funny. That's just seems fun. He wanted to so, be the person that went through the you know the, the museum the fastest, like see all the paintings, but as fast as possible. I bet their floors are very smooth and conducive to that. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been there. Really? Oh wow. I've. Uh, as much as I know about the layout of the Louvre is from reading Da Vinci Code or whichever <laughs> it was in. I think he stole most of that book from his intern. Cause it's, oh, really? It's so badly written. and But then there's a few good ideas in there. Like I'm going through it and it's like, wow, that's really cool. This like Last Supper thing or, you know, oh, this yeah. puzzle is really neat. But most of it's so dumb. And I just think, how, oh, he's a professor and he has some really good students who have written these thesis on The Last Supper, and he just steals. And I was like, oh, that kind of works thematically with his book, which is so much about theft. And He's it's very entertaining. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't know. I had a hard time getting through the third one. <laughs> which one was the third one? I read Angels and Demons. Was that uh, the third one? I think the third one's where the Vatican blows up. I can't remember the 
title remember. of the third one even. Yeah, I think that was, yeah, that must have been it. I don't mean to blow the ending though, but yeah, that's the. Yeah, spoiler alert. Sorry. Go back in time five minutes, everybody. <laughs> Just edit that. That's that's the one where that happened. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're two cats. We're on a Roomba. Yeah. <laughs> it's two cats saying something pithy about pop culture. Oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> you want friends that are going to keep you in your place. I don't know. It's... That's true. It's true. My friends don't get that. <laughs> they, they just I don't know they just stopped calling me for six months <laughs> you're you're a jerk like I'll, I'll just avoid you your head's gotten too big <laughs> hey remember that time I said that you were acting like a dick remember that <laughs> six months ago <laughs> that's funny yeah I don't know yeah just plugging along doing comics I don't know I mean doing comics it's a great it's a great thing I mean it's I, I can't uh, you know I've been pretty lucky with I, I every now and again, I, you know, it's like three in the morning and I'm cursing like, ah, you know, I got to worrying about some like I wish I drew better. Or I wish I wrote better. And, and I think, well, holy crap, you know, like as good or bad as I am, like I've been able to do this. And that's kind of I don't know. I just end up feeling really lucky. Uh, Did you, so was this something that you were solidly doing right out of the gate or after architecture school or did you have like suck jobs delivering pizza or, you know, something? I, yeah. I mean, I worked at a video store for a few years in Austin. Um, but in college in, in architecture, I started uh, cartooning that the daily Californian was a daily paper and I, and they had a spot and I, I actually had to fight to get into it. It was, um, it was, it was really even then, for the college paper, it was super competitive. Um, they w- there were probably a dozen cartoonists fighting for two spots. And then the editor was a cartoonist, so he always got a spot, cause, even though his cartoon was terrible. Um, <laughs> but, you know, everybody You're the editor. Yeah, it's like nothing has changed from that template to, you know, it's like we still have the same kind of, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Although I do like Mankoff's cartoon, so let me put that out there. <laughs> My New Yorker editor is the exception to that. Um, yeah, they would line us up. They would take like twelve cartoonists and and against the wall, and then all the reporters. And this is in you know Berkeley in 1986. And so the reporters and editors would then ask questions like, "Do you feel that you adequately adequately represent women and minorities in your comics?" And, you know, it's like 19 years old, and I'm, like, um, trying to answer these They very... don't do that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is, you know, it's Berkeley, and they really were fighting I can't for... imagine. Yeah, and you're, you know, in front of 30 people trying to justify your politics. Um, now you have to explain why, you know, an entire comics universe needs more than one black guy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do need that a little, we need that kind of like inspection on more comics as a whole, for sure. Like, I mean, I liked the intention of the, of the room, you know, like I thought asking those questions is important, but it was, um, it, it made it, it was, it was hard to get in because of, because of that, because you really had to, um, you had to explain yourself and, and justify like, well, here's the three women characters I have in the comic. And here's why this one seems dumb, even though she isn't. And 
here's the guy that blah blah blah. Yeah, it's, it was the pol- Yeah, it was tough. Um, That's amazingly impressive compared to what I read now about comic books, about mainstream comic books. And people say even I guess about comic strips too. I mean, mm-hmm. not like you know I used to read. Blondie and Garfield, not like that was incredibly diverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's well, a lot of those have through you know they they move very much to the center to where they're not going to push any questions about race or economics or politics. Um, oh, I saw my friend's cartoon about uh, gay marriage. I thought was really funny recently. He talked about how all these politicians were either on the fence or against it until just recently, you know, the polls are coming out to where in the last 10 years, the opinions have changed and that we've got a, I think 57% approval on it. Um, and depends all, on who you're asking. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But, but all the politicians have now leaped the, left the fence and they're like, Oh, I, I really support gay marriage. And it was just, it took that, popular opinion to, to shift in order exactly. for the politicians. And he just has all these politicians racing to endorse um, gay marriage. Because they need to be cool kids now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and these, yeah. And next thing you know, it'll be like, yeah, all the politicians will, will be wanting their children to all be gay. You know, <laughs> I'm the one with the 15-year-old that came out. That'd be great. There's that onion, what do they say, that um, – I support gay marriage because my son came out a few years ago or uh, my son came out and, and, um, and so I'm the father of a, of a gay child. And it was like one of those sort of like trite yeah. cliche lines, except that it was signed uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why is this in the onion? Oh yeah, there it is. Okay. Oh. Yeah, that's, a good, no, that's good. Isn't it devastating though, that you can read the onion and not know that it's fake? Yeah. Yeah. Every, every day. <laughs> it, it, one of the Simpsons writers talked about uh, they had Homer hitting the, the 7-Eleven and looking for this triple chocolate fudge brownie ice cream. And they said that was a gag when they wrote it, trying to think of the most extreme, ridiculous ice cream flavor they could. But now it's not funny because that's one of the flavors that Ben and Jerry has. Or, you know, it's... Sure. Yeah, it's not... Um, yeah, a lot of the... We should stop making jokes because they're all coming true. <laughs> Self-fulfilling our prophecies. Well, there's there's a coffee, though, that, I mean, I know that there's like that 40-shot crazy coffee, but then now, oh, what the hell is it called? This is going to freak me out. I'm going to try and go on Google and not have Skype disconnect us. <laughs> Kopi Lewis? That's one everybody talks about. The... Death, Death Wish Coffee. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yes. Deathwishcoffee.com. Strongest coffee in the world, 200% more caffeine. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure it's all right. I mean, why not just drink two cups of coffee? But I don't know. It's... I don't know. I... Now, if they, can, if they can make you pee less, like. <laughs> right. So that I can drink it on an entire, you know, long trip to a convention and be fine. Yeah, well, you just have two cups, one empty and one full. That's what you. Oh, you're see, yeah, boys do that. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's harder for you. Yeah, I could be like astronaut lady and get the the diaper. Right, right. There's a, there's always a workaround. As you can tell, this is a highbrow show. <laughs> I'm in. I, 
we tend to go pretty blue and I always when I'm when I'm doing public speaking or something I always have to fight this urge to go blue and start you know like it's just how I don't know I want to tell dirty jokes and stuff you know, we're just all people. We're just sacks of meat wandering around on this planet. So just, you know, our bodies are going to do things that we can make fun of. And coffee enemas. I mean, that's what shocked me. Was, okay, the, the Kopi Luwak, right? Like there's the coffee that it's a little cat-like creature, goes around, eats these berries, and then um, poops them out. And then that's the most expensive coffee. And <laughs> so, of course, we're like, let's get some and review it for, you know, the, the – magazine that I was doing coffee that's been pooped out going up your butt right right well we didn't use that for the enema but we, I mean we wanted to drink it right and, and taste it and say, find out about it and the reaction that people had to and even now like I see it reviewed or talked about and like you know it's always sort of like for gags right that yeah. people talk about it um but it what surprised me is like people eat a hot dog <laughs> which is foul. <laughs> right. <laughs> not, not, I guess, figuratively foul, not literally. I guess there might be a foul dog. There, too, I don't but, know. Um, a turkey dog, maybe. Are turkeys yeah. foul? I think so. I would I think, think so. I would think maybe? so, too. Yeah, I never thought about that. Um, but, yeah, like there's, you know, what is it, uh, uh, noses and assholes or something, right, is in right. a hot dog. And, and, it's, and it's packed into an intestine. Right. Which is the delivery mechanism for poop. You know, like, exactly. so here are, you know, like the grossest thing that you could, and people are like, mm, a hot dog. Like, sure, you know, get me a couple drinks and I'll eat the hot dog. But they're like, oh, that coffee that's moved through the intestine of this animal. Like, that's, I can't drink that. Like, it's been cleaned twice. It's been washed. It's been roasted and then boil, and then you pour boiling water on it. Like, it is cleaner than, you know, 90% of the food you're eating, it's just happened to pass through another animal before you eat. I don't know. It's just, it's, it, but the, the, it's like a, we've got this Puritan streak in our culture that, that still shocks me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now, but they will watch and they will pay to watch other people eat that sort of thing. Like, mm -hmm. you know, on Fear Factor, or just any episode of Anthony Bourdain. But that, and even the fear factor doesn't make sense because, you know, you just get somebody from a different culture and they're like, oh, you know, no, no, there's no problem. That's yeah, it's our delicacy. They're like, yeah, they're like, this is a feast for our greatest holiday of the year. <laughs> right. I don't get it's all cultural. I don't. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. But well, the horse meat thing was coming up recently. Oh, yeah, that was funny. And it's just kind of like, well, you know, other places do that. I Kind of curious about that. Um, yeah, my ex is uh, her dad. I, I, it's a long story that I'll cut to the punchline of, but he, he did a tour in Vietnam, and he talked about their foods there, and this, he had ham sandwiches, and it was a piece of ham, or hamburgers, um, but it would just be a piece of ham, and oh, ha, ha, ha. And then yeah. the, the, he said, oh, but they shut down the restaurant, and be like, oh, was it health violation? Like, no. Uh, it turns out they were serving dog to Americans, and I was like, oh. Yeah. And then I, I, I was like, so you ate dog? And he, and he goes, well, yeah, I guess. And I was like, oh, well, how was it? He's like, eh, pretty good. <laughs> and, but, I mean, the, the, he, he led the story so that he just wanted to get to the punchline. Like, he made it seem like it was all um, 
accidental or something, but uh, you know, but when we finally hit that, ah, pretty good. Like I was like, that's the punchline that he wanted. I was like, that's a good yes. storytelling. Um, yeah. That's uh, yeah. My dad said that he, you know, he would only eat, I guess the, the, you know, fried rice over there because he just wouldn't eat anything else. He saw people eating like these giant beetles and, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And that's probably why back then my father was like, you know, a hundred and maybe 10 pounds. <laughs> Like how the army even took him, uh, why they wanted him, I don't know. Only five days. Well, maybe yeah. they're thinking, you know, Captain America kind of. And now he's disgusting. Now he will, you know, he, I don't know. There's nothing like a reformed whore, I think that's the, what the yeah. expression is. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eating horse because it's cute. I mean, it's a pretty animal, so we don't, we don't eat cute. Well, that's the thing, like, you know, I, because I'm vegetarian, so a lot of times I will pay attention to these sort of headlines, and, like, I know so many people that get really freaked out by veal, yeah. and I'm like, do you realize how all of the other animals are kept? Like, pigs are kept in these, hor- like, pregnant pigs in particular, it's the these gestation cages that they cannot move. Right, no, we have to torture the animal for a good year and a half before we feel justified of eating it. Make yeah. sure it's miserable and has a horrible life, and then... Yeah, and that way, yeah, it's but like, don't kill you know, it before it suffers for a long period of time. Yeah. That's yeah. So whatever this thing is, so I'm like, okay. So all of you people that are bitching about veal, do you, you know, don't don't give me this bullshit when you're ordering your bacon cheeseburger. Yeah, like you know. No, it's 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 pretty silly. Um, yeah, the horse thing was funny. I don't know. I was trying not to make a lot of jokes about it, but I couldn't help. A friend of mine needed to go to Ikea, and I was like, you know, you're buying the meatballs, you're right, but <laughs> she wouldn't do it. Um, yeah. my kid, I dared my kid once. We were sitting, we picked up a fish. Um, there's reservations nearby, and they'll sell fish from the stream, so we go and we buy, you know, big whole fish and fry it up, and I dared him to eat the eyeball, and um, he just popped it out with a spoon and, and threw it in his mouth and chewed it up. And he, and he, oh, he said right before he did, he goes, I'll do it if you do it. And I said, okay. And then he did that. And I was like, great. Now I've got to eat this eyeball. (laughs) It was was hard, but I had to be good to my word. I didn't think there was a chance that a six-year-old kid was going to eat an eyeball. Like what kid eats an eyeball? I mean, that's disgusting. I don't know. Don't see. I just imagine little boys doing all sorts of disgusting things: mm. worms and goldfish and whatever. Cat food. Which, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just. I don't know. Yeah. That's just sort of my impression of what being a little boy is like. Yeah. Yeah. He. I was. I. You know. On one hand, I was horrified, but on the other hand, I was like, "Wow, I'm glad he's not uptight about trying new foods." Um, well, that's true. Because I hear horror stories about, um, you know, how awful children are to get them to eat. Right. <laughs> you oh, know, they yeah, just get them literally, out. literally, like screaming or just not eating at all. Like they're just not. Eating. I don't understand. I don't know. have to have the same thing every day, or they freak the fuck out. Or it can't be, you know, it can't be white food, or they'll only eat yeah. white food, and it's like the color, like really, like. I don't know. Yeah, I've heard horror stories about that. A, a friend of mine, she has a kid and was at a um, one of those parenting groups, and they're all sitting around, and they were talking about the foods that they were giving their kids. And 
in in Ber- there's sort of a competition to who can out liberal each other in Berkeley. I don't probably Brooklyn <laughs> is like this too. But so the first woman is yeah. like, oh, I only feed my kid organic food and you know make sure that it's you know uh, what is it from farm to plate or I don't know. She had this whole thing. The next woman is like, um, oh, I don't use the electric grinder because that cuts the molecules because it's these blades and, you know, electricity. And she had this other whole thing. Oh. And then it's just, she used like a mortar and pestle to, to grind up the food. And the third woman's like, oh, no, I chew the food up for my baby. Yeah. <laughs> I just give it to her. That's a real thing. I know. No. Yeah. Yeah, that is a real thing. Who was, I think it was Alicia Silverstone. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Um. It was, it's the, oh yeah, some of these mommy movements are very weird to me. Yeah. You know, and I'm just saying to me, I don't know, maybe it's normal, maybe it's fine. I just, I guess, I suppose. No, they go crazy. You, you're not sleeping and you have gone insane at, at when you have a kid. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. I, you just have to know that you're insane and keep your mouth shut for a couple of years um, and don't go do any interviews or anything until you come out the far end and. Yeah, so when you post your, you know, baby birding videos on YouTube like that, then you're going to get some shit. Yeah. My mom, when I was a kid, we went to a placenta party once. Oh, boy. Which, thankfully, I don't remember. She said it tasted like <laughs> liver, but I don't know. It's, oh, my God. Cook it up. They cooked it up. It was, you know, and then had little crackers, served it on crackers to everybody. Really? Because, like, I mean, I understand, like, the making it into shampoo or something. <laughs> like, that I've heard. Right. It is one of the few times in life when you're kind of allowed to eat the human body and have it not be, you know, like. Well, sure. K- kittens do it. So it must be all right. Right. You know, right. Is that the thinking? That was, I don't know. It was, the rationale, I think, was close to that. Yeah. Like this is this just is, the nature. Or yeah. But that I mean, that runs against my like, I can't believe that now. Like, I'm like, that's, you know, horrifying. So. Oh, no. I'm sure somebody somewhere is really thinking that needs to be done. Oh, yeah. No, it's. I was there, so. You were there. I was there. <laughs> well, and traumatized, ah, clearly. Never. You became a cartoonist. Yeah. Uh, it's just... So, but, so I mean, is this, are you happy with it, with your life that this is what you decided to do and, and it's worked for you? Uh, mostly, yeah. I mean, I, I wish I was wealthier. Um, I wish I had a thicker skin. Um, like, it's weird to work in something public where I'm, trying to appeal to people's sense of humor. And then I'm, I feel really bad when I hurt somebody's feelings or if somebody says like, oh, I don't like this because of the drawings or I don't know, you know, like, um, it, it, yeah, that those finance and, and, you know, like little crybaby emotional stuff. Um, but other than that, shoot, I, I think it's phenomenal. I mean, um, I mean, because you could be the guy on the farm whacking the pigs in the head. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. Actually, my, my dad lives off the grid, and I've gone and lived with him um, at times. And it's hard living, though. I mean, like, to make coffee in the morning, I had to – well, I had to cut the wood the day before, but I had to build a fire to boil water to make a coffee, and it was just hard. Wow. It was um, – yeah. It's... Yeah. See, no, I cry when the electricity goes out from a storm. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I did not fare well during the hurricane here. Yeah, you had a big one too. That was yeah, and we have a generator, mind you. Oh wow! 
So, you know, I was not that bad off compared to most people. And I wanted to go on like a post-apocalyptic rampage. (laughs) Well, the pre-apocalyptic rampages are pretty good. You can get a lot out of it. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, because we had to drive to Pennsylvania to get gas and all these cans and had them in the truck. And I just felt like I needed like turrets on top of the car and, you know, shredded tank tops and, you know, I don't know, shave half my head and have a cigarette or something. Our culture, we're fascinated with this whole zombie thing. We're just loving everybody just can't get enough of it for some reason. I don't. I know. It's just not slowing down. Yeah, I keep thinking like, ah, okay, finally we'll move on to, mm-hmm. you know, like bring Twilight back. Anything I think is better than another zombie, derivative zombie thing, you know, like, but then it's like, all right, another six months of this crap on it. Right. Well, you've had too much copyright, man. Right. 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 So did you, did you have zombie coffee, man? No, the only zombie gag that I've done is about uh, a, a dad reassuring the kid about, um, there aren't any zombies, just people before they've had their coffee. And it's all these people kind of like shuffling and, you know, but it was a, a dumb gag. Um, I know. It's something we say on Twitter every day. People, I mean, I get people ask me to draw zombies and I'll do it just to make them happy. And for $10 or whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I liked the, uh, Nightmare, Nightmare Before Zombie. Um, yeah, the the Night of the Living Dead movie when I was a kid, it scared the hell out of me. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I just don't, I don't know. I'm ready for the next gag or something, you know. Like I feel like we've done the zombie thing. And how on the pulse are you? Are you gonna, you want to make a prediction? What comes after zombies? Oh Lord, um, I don't know. I I think. Zombies work on two levels really well. I mean, one level is that um, we want to kill our neighbors, and this is a way to have a villain and kill, you know, kill the people kill around us. Yeah, kill people and have it not be, you know, and have it morally be okay or even condoned. Like, yeah, we can get mm-hmm. guns. get So that's kind of, that hits a large, you know, emotional need for a large number of people. And then also I think that zombies... Um, embody this mindless consumerism, right? They just want to consume. And culturally, I think that that really represents a lot of how we feel. Our culture, I think, is just a lot about mindless consumption. So it's, it's a represent, it works well. I mean, it's, it's very symbolic um, and it fills an emotional need. So what needs to replace it is something, you know, like Elizabethan area, we had the you know, the vampires and it had to do with seduction and fear of sexuality. Right. Um, Cause you weren't allowed to actually write those scenes. So. Right. And then, uh, in the eighties we had AIDS, like uh, betrayal of one's own body, like with, uh, what it was in the thing where, you know, people were aliens that you test the blood and it's a monster. And that's, you're the fly where you slowly deteriorate, right? Like that's, was our fear of AIDS, I think. Um, you know, communism in the fifties where you had the thing is like the, you know, same movie, but different themes with, you know, coming in from the outside. And, um, I don't know our next themes. I mean, apocalypse, obviously we all love that. Um, 
Yeah, I'm going to go with bunnies. I'm going to say that because uh, nobody wants like reproductive rights to actually be a thing, at, you know, in Congress and all that. That I'm, you know, bunnies, you know. I'm in. I'll I'll do anything I can to promote uh, the if bunnies can take the place of zombies. Bunnies are always like you know the fertility symbol and fuck like bunnies and right. So they have lots of bunnies. They have and that whole always... Playboy thing is about to go under too. So they'll have all these like little bunny props that'll yeah be, they'll have to sell off. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna say if we need to replace zombies with something, it'll be bunnies. I'm in. I'm in. I I'm, I I'm there. And yeah, you got your cheap costumes. You can have sexy bunnies, not sexy bunnies. Yeah, Frank like Frank the bunny, creepy ass. Right, the, bunny. the evil bunny. Yeah. Huh. Oh, and in this horrific time of of year when people are posting these like old pictures of the 60s and 70s sitting on the, the mall Easter bunny and how horrifying they were. Oh yeah. The Easter bunnies at the malls used to be so freaking scary. Easter bunny, yeah. That would be, yeah, that's, that would be great. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I like bunny. And then there's some bunny songs. We don't really have any zombie songs. There's not really a zombie music. Uh, no, there's not really zombie music. The only zombie song I know is by Kirby Crackle. Um there, no, is it the Coulter, Jonathan Colton? Jonathan Colton. He has the "We Want Your Brains" or something. There's that kind of folky. Uh, I don't know that one. That's yeah, all right. Yeah, but "Zombie Apocalypse" by my friends at Kirby Crackle. There you go. Cool. Plug plug for you guys. Yeah, I'll download it right now. Yeah. <laughs> they're 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 left coast people up there. They're Seattle people. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. They, yeah, um, they run the Emerald City Comic Con. Oh wow, that was great. That show was amazing. I was impressed all the hell um, by it. Just the people, the enthusiasm. Um, yeah, it was it was great. It was well put together. I thought. I would love to see that show someday. Well, come on out. That's a hop, skip, and you know, six hour plane ride. Six-hour plane ride, yeah, you know, and I can take my my little Swiss Army knife now. Mm. They're allowing those back on, huh? Yeah, apparently. I don't know. I guess it's I guess it depends on where you are and up to their discretion. I don't know, but it's one of those things where I never would have thought of it. Like I have a little thing on my keys, yeah. and it's literally the tiniest, tiniest little sad pocket knife ever. But it's a little, the smallest Swiss Army knife I think that exists. And <laughs> you know, and I would. I think it's called a princess knife. It might be. Yeah, it might be. I, have, and, I love that one. That's great. Um, you know, and it's very useful and um, does what it needs to do. Yeah. So I, I, I guarantee that if I had gone somewhere, I wouldn't even have thought about it. I would have been like, well, yes, because these are all my keys. Right. And they also have like the eight bajillion rewards cards from every store I've ever been in. That makes me sign up for shit, you know. <laughs> Take those. Make those things not allowed. Yeah, yeah. That the the security stuff is definitely um, more totem than it is reality for sure. I mean, we want to feel safe, so they have us do these like these rituals. I just I I think of it as like you know. Uh, the same kind of like religious rituals of like I'm getting on an airplane, so I've got to take off my shoes and they're going to yeah. raise your arms and, you know, do this weird thing and put your left foot in and put your left yeah, foot out. It's just it's <laughs> ritualistic. And once I thought of it as ritual, I was OK with it. Always before that, 
I was annoyed, like, ah, oh, this line and this, why are we doing it? And it's like, oh, this is our airplane flight ritual before we do this magic transporting ourselves through the sky to another place by, you know, like. By this magic tube of metal. Yeah, which uh, the older I get, the more terrified I am. Yeah. I, like, this is not, this should not be working. This is not, this runs against every bit of intuition I have. Like, yeah. So you're not signing up for the uh, for for the trips to the space? Then. Oh hell no! I'd I'd love to go to that. I'll totally do that. But yeah, okay. it's, are we in? Yeah. Okay, great. Sorry. Oh, now it's crackly. Oh, it is now. Okay, got oh, it. no, we're good. We're good. Okay, okay. back. Okay, so yeah, so so okay, so you will go up in space. Oh hell yeah! I'll do I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, but that's 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 more intuitive. Like yeah, you put a bunch of fire underneath you and that will move you upward that makes a lot more sense than you're going to spin these little pieces of metal and it will suspend a you know 10,000 pound or more than that you know ton metal you know like that you can fly just that just makes no sense to me on an intuitive level I've had this argument with people before, like we live in a very counterintuitive world. Well, we always want to do what we can't do. We're not supposed to do. Right. Just what people do. But even like intuitively, I feel like (laughs) a heavier object will fall faster than a lighter object. Yeah. Like that just makes more sense to me than no heavy and light fall the same speed, which I know they do intellectually. Yeah. And I know intellectually we fly... Intellectually, I know that we're on a round sphere well, think, that's in a void that circles. Yeah, I think it doesn't it depend on the height or something like that, the distance from the Earth. Like, isn't it like until you reach critical mass? What is it called? Um, uh, velocity. Critical velocity? velocity. Escape velocity? Uh, um, no, it, there's that bad no. movie, too, with uh, maximum uh, something velocity. Yeah, there's a... All I know is it's something per second per second, and I can't understand that. 8.2 per second squared. Yeah, that's we used to measure buildings by peeing off them, and we'd count and then go, oh, we're 82 yeah, feet tall. That's, yeah. <laughs> it was in architecture when we took physics. We were like, oh, let's figure out height by peeing. Um, we'd listen for the you know, splash at the – anyway, that was um, – I hope nobody was under you. I, dude, they weren't for long if they were. <laughs> It's raining. Oh, it's warm. Goddamn pigeons. Summer rain, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's counter. We it, it, we live in a counterintuitive world, right? Like it's that we fly that that the world is round is I find counterintuitive. Like I drive somewhere and it feels like the world is you know not literally flat, but it's close to flat. Like it would make more sense for it to be kind of it looks kind of flat. Um, I can't wrap my brain around how big the world is like that doesn't make sense to me it, it feels like i if i walked for like a month i feel like i should be able to walk around like it would take a long time to walk around the world but i feel like i should be able to do it i don't know it doesn't i don't know people do that people do crazy things though like they'll walk across the country for like fundraiser things and yeah but um, that takes like you know, like a year or something. I, yeah. I mean, I feel like I should be able like, to do it in three days or, you know, like... Like it, swimming across channels, getting eaten by jellyfish or whatever. That's just nuts. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. But, yeah, but it is... We, it's counterintuitive, I think. Like, that's... Um, 
everything we do, you know, that we have these little, that I'm talking into this little speaker and that it's being recorded and goes out to other people. Well, we're in the future. Right. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. I mean, like, our, I don't know, like, but we operate on faith. And I've had this argument, like, I, I, so I feel like we live in this faith-based world because we do so many things that are counterintuitive and we just have this belief that it will work even though it kind of runs against what we you know think makes sense so the more science that we're learning you think is actually producing more faith oh absolutely because it's getting weirder and weirder instead of the opposite yeah i mean i think a lot of people are thinking that more people are becoming agnostic like there's a greater distance between molecules or atoms there's a greater distance between atoms proportionately than there is between planets and so that we can touch something is weird because there's this giant gap between atoms it just it's just weird stuff and yeah that's faith we take a lot of these things on faith that atoms make up molecules which make up us like that makes that doesn't make sense really And we're held together by coffee. Right. <laughs> Magnetism, that makes no sense. I can't see it. It's weird. That's like, that's ridiculous. Electricity is a, you know, like that doesn't make sense. I don't know. It's, um, but, you know, but you tell me like, oh, God made the earth in seven days. Like, well, okay, there's this omniscient being that does these crazy things. Okay, that kind of makes sense on some level, like I could buy into that if, you know, if I was so inclined, I I could easily buy that because it makes sense. Like to a five-year-old, you tell them like, here's what really happened and it's science and you tell them, and here are, you know, the world is on a back of a tortoise that's swimming in an endless sea. Like the kid will believe the tortoise story more than the. It's a fun story. Yeah. You know, you know. (laughs) It was like, I think that's Navajo myth. Is that the one with the tortoise? I don't know. I don't know which one the tortoise is. Oh, I always love them. I always hear more about like Egyptian birthing stories or something. Oh, yeah, I don't know those. Um, like the sun, like swallowing the sun and then giving birth again or something. Oh, well, there's the Greek with the chariot and, you know, he dragged Apollo you know, pulling the sun across every day. and Okay, so, but, so you have this amazing, um, you know, like philosophy and outlook on life. So before you, like before I, I let you go, what, okay, if you weren't just birthed by a regular human person, woman, if, you know, what, what would be the great origin story of Shannon Wheeler? Oh, I'm immortal. Like that's, that's, and people are fictitious, um, people around me, I would say that would be a good, that would be a good one. And I just, every now and again, I lose memory. And so I don't realize that I'm actually immortal. And then as I grow older, I slowly figure it out again until, until you lose it again, until I lose it again. Yeah. Um, and you're going to watch your children grow old and not know. Yeah. 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 If they even exist, it might just be, um, other creatures that are creating these, surroundings for me um you know some sort of virtual reality like thinking yeah where if i walk too far to the edge of town too quickly that i'll see that people 
you know, building houses there for the first time. You know, like the reality doesn't exist outside of um, perception. That's I like that story. That one has always kind of appealed to me. But, um, I think that was a Twilight Zone episode as well. Yeah, it sounds sort of familiar. I remember there was one where he kept trying to drive out of the town and, you know, would see the sign that he was like reentering the town or something. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, you know, Rod Serling must have really been messed up. Like I'm, I'm rewatching all those episodes. That's why they're in the forefront of my mind. And yeah. I just think like, wow, this guy was absolutely terrified of death. Like half the people are dead, but they don't know it yet. And they have to slowly come to terms with being dead. Just so incredibly brilliant though. Oh yeah. I mean, how, like I just am just mind boggled at, at the, you know, how to come up with those sort of, like you said, we were talking before about the plots. Yeah. And plotting stuff out with the appropriate irony and when to make, when to make the reveal. Well, he, you know, he also, he worked with, he had a, a good taste and he worked with um, really smart, like he would find um, writers that he, uh, you know, Harlan Ellison wrote a few episodes, I think. Is that right? Uh, no, he wrote a Outer Limits episode. Um, Theodore Sturgeon. There's just, like I look at the writing credits and it's like, oh, okay, here are, you know, this based on a short story. So he was a great writer himself, but he also had the sense to reach out to friends of his um, who he liked and respected and pull them in to contribute to, you know, his his little world that he was creating. Um, it was a, it was great. Yeah, I think that's we have this myth of the solo artist that I think is kind of a detriment Um you know, but I think like even Warhol, like he reached out to people around him and pulled in. Um, yeah, I think that's I, I'm sure that's what uh, I think that's one of those things where because of the way that we honor people, you know, like we honor like best director. Yeah. And forget that there's a staff of like a thousand people, like either animators or special effects artists or whatever. I like that uh, recent movie about Hitchcock where it really emphasized the role of his wife as a um, creative contributor mm -hmm. um, that was I that was neat and it was I think Hemingway did well by his editors you know he had he worked with like smart people um, yeah I don't I've never liked that idea of best as a um, as a term it, it really I think it's misleading and I don't know it just kind of offensive um, yeah, I mean, like excellent or something like they they could pick many other words to say, like, yeah, we just really liked this one. Right. Um, I think that would be better. Yeah, that's right. Like we do our little like awards thing for the for the podcast and the website. And we, you know, I don't want to use the word best. So we just say our favorite things. That's, I like that. It's, it makes more sense. I don't know. It's, yeah. Um, it's... Yeah. More egalitarian or something. It's my little communist upbringing. <laughs> Crazy. I can't even imagine Berkeley. That's just like, <laughs> Jesus, that's a far cry from like Newark. <laughs> Not really. I mean, like, that's the thing is I, I, every, like all the people in Berkeley at that time seemed to have come from New York. Like they were just very, uh, you know, it, Berkeley is such a New York city. Um, people just fled New York and came to Berkeley and opened up bagel shops and <laughs> coffee places and stuff. It was All a good right. town. Yeah. 
That sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. But now, okay, um, I did check your website, and I was trying to find your list of appearances for this year, and it's not there. (laughs) Yeah, I just spaced out on it. Um, Appearances, I don't know. Um, I think I'm skipping San Diego this year because I do want to – I'm getting a good amount of work done. Like, I'm finishing up these two projects – I'm putting out another book of gag cartoons uh, with Boom. Um, I'm doing some more Dark Horse stuff. Uh, I just want to work. And if I go to San Diego, that's the big comic convention. It it, it kills about a month of um, kills, productivity. Yeah, yeah. And it's fun. But then I just curl up into a ball for afterwards and just cry for a little while. Um, but yeah, Ape I'll do. And then if something comes up, I'll I'll – if it's nearby, I'd like to do it. Um, or New York shows. I, I love doing the New York shows. Okay. Um, but so you just don't yeah. know. You don't know? You're not committed? I'm not committed. Yeah, I guess that's the bottom line. Is, yeah, and I need to update the website. That Because so, I've been going to things. Like I went to the Emerald City, uh, did that show. Um I can't even remember. Oh, I went to Austin. I did South by Southwest. Oh, and, and I neat. did cartoons for Comicsology um, down there, um, and tried to see Grumpy Cat. Oh, you didn't get to see her? No, the line was super long. So I thought, you know, okay, well, I'm doing, I'm reporting, yeah, ostensibly. So I'll talk my way in. Yeah. And they this because I you know I, I I saw Captain Kirk right like I can talk my way in and. <laughs> do these things you know like stan lee you know like i i met and hung out with stan lee because i just talked my way in to do that um ditko in new york he wasn't there but i just went and to see anyway grumpy cat no i go and i'm like oh i'm doing this cartoon she's too big she was too big yeah and they're like (laughs) no you know come back later check back in later she's she has a very busy schedule i swear to god they're like very busy and they're putting their you know this woman's putting her hand up in the big, you know, universal no yes. symbol, like the stop in the name of love. So then I hook up with this uh, uh, reporter because he was doing an article about me reporting on the South by Southwest, <laughs> and so I thought, okay, well now I've got like this CNET reporter who has actual reporting credentials. <laughs> now we're gonna get it. Like so, I was like, oh, let's go back to Grumpy Cat. She said, check back in later. So we go back, and she's still like, still very busy. We don't know what's happening. Um, check back later. So I was like, Oh my God. And then I, uh, a friend of mine, um, Ted Rawl, who's a political cartoonist, he texts me. He's like, Oh, we want to meet for a beer. I'm like, hell yeah. He goes, so we sit down. So it's Ted and the CNET reporter and me and drinking our beer. And I was like, yeah, what's going on? I said, Oh, we tried to get into grumpy cat, but grumpy cat's too popular. We can't do it. And Ted goes, Oh, I just had a private audience with Grumpy Cat. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, what? How did you get that? And he said um, that they're fans of his cartoon. So they emailed him asking if he would like a private audience. Aww. So, of course, he said, yeah, sure. He'll go see Grumpy. He didn't know what Grumpy Cat was even. Oh, my God. I don't know how that cat is so amazing with crowds. Well, okay. So Ted then said that. Um, that he was horrified by the situation and he was tempted to call up PETA because he said that the cat is getting pet by thousands of people yeah. 
and it's it's like a genetic mutation. It's about three pounds. It has all these health problems. He said the its fur was greasy and matted down from all these people touching it. Aww. And he said it was just a very like genuinely unhappy cat. Like it just wants to be left alone. And thousands of people are picking it up and making a grumpy cat face next to it and getting their picture taken. And oh my goodness, she's so precious. Yeah, he said it was horrifying. Like it's a three-pound cat. Like it's not yeah. healthy. And he goes, that cat's going to die by the end of the show. They're just like, you know, like this is the worst thing you could possibly do to that cat. Yeah. And that's you know, and it's interesting though that you say that because I've been to a couple cat shows, and they're like the the owners are very very strict. Like you're not allowed to touch their cats, and you have to have like antibacterial stuff everywhere until you know like you can't handle anything unsupervised, and you always have to have clean hands. I mean, it's like it's a thing, and these are like show cats. Well, yeah, but this cat is you know it's a waitress in in uh, uh, yeah. Phoenix, Arizona, who got the golden ticket, right, with the meme, right, with the silly looking cat who's oh, adorable, she was driving this thing like 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 veal, like hooked it up from a, yeah. a thing of uh, a meat hook, and is just like draining every nickel and dime out of it she can before it dies, which it will soon. Um, Aww. that's my yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> It was, and then I thought, like, okay, now it makes sense if we went in as reporters that they want to not let us see what is actually going on. Oh yeah, because I've seen her on like, I know she did like Good Morning America and Today Show and stuff, so I've seen the cat on tour, if you will. They're like, draining that thing dry. It's like every little drop they can get out before. Yeah, <clears throat> it's a golden ticket. They, you know, they won the lottery and another person I met there, another cartoon. Oh no, she's a reporter, but she had just interviewed a, an agent who was an agent for memes. Oh geez. I didn't know that existed. I, and she said it was the sleaziest guy that she has ever met. <laughs> she said it was uh, uh-huh. disgusting and a horrible person. And he was there at South by Southwest to hook up with memes and, you know, like get Honey Badger a book deal and. Yeah. And Darth Vader kid and. Right. Whatever. Yes. Sleazy as. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's really kind of funny and, you know, horrible. Wow. It's like veal. I mean, it's sort of the same thing. And that's why those people will make way more money because than I ever will in my life because they think that way. And I don't think that way. They're. Yeah. Watch, you know, keep an eye out for the Honey Badger book and the. You know, the Grumpy Cat Saturday morning cartoon, I'm sure, is in the works right now. I think it'd be okay as a cartoon. I mean, it's not like they're, you know, have to torture her in any way to make a cartoon. Better than zombies, but not by much. <laughs> All right. Well, Shannon Wheeler, where can people find you online? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, just if you Google me, do it with a safe search on. Um, yeah, it's hilarious when I Googled you. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I sent you. I sent you that screen capture. Remember? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, there's one porn star who has a ta- too much coffee man tattoo on um, <laughs> Read Love or something. I don't know. Blue something. I don't know. It's, um, but mostly it's pretty. Yeah, there's a few. But no, it's pretty safe. I'm, I, when I work blue, it's all kind of like fifties sticky humor. It's not like you know. Is it Goatsy? I was having this 
discussion that is Goatsy the first meme or is it all your base belong to us? I don't know. I, I would to, say I would say all your base are belong to us is probably the first. The that, first one I knew of. Yeah. But then Goatsy was right after, right? Or it no, was, no, Goatsy. What the hell is Goatsy? Don't that's don't Google. It's a uh, well, I read an interview with him recently, but it was for a long time. It's just it's a it's don't ask what it is. Oh god! My mom asked me. She's like, "What's Goatsy?" And I was like, "I I I'm not gonna." It's it's like two girls one cup, but different. Okay, I never looked that one up either. Yeah, well. <laughs> don't want to know. I don't want the details. Yeah, yeah. My mom was trying to ask me what a reach around was too, and because we saw it on some TV show, and she said, what's a reach around? I'm like, just it's kind of self-explanatory. I'm not gonna even <laughs> <laughs> start this one. Like that's not. Um, yeah. So okay. So, I, so you're I, much coffee. Twitter, you are coffee on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Facebook and there's a fan. It's all the normal crap. I mean, yeah. Um, there's the Facebook stuff, and then Comixology. That's the one thing that's uh, new and harder to find. I'm I'm now putting out a lot of my early comics on digitally, um, so I'm fixing some of the misspellings and stuff. But pretty much, yeah, it's it's great. I love these digital comics actually. That's awesome. Because uh, they don't. I, I have these boxes of comics, and it's just a nightmare. But if it's digital, then you got like a little tiny hard drive that's the yeah. size of your thumb, and you can free up a half a room depending on how many white boxes you got. Exactly. It's just great. Um, so I'm kind of become an advocate of it. Um, so, yeah, the Comixology has some Too Much Coffee Man stuff. Um, and what else? I don't, yeah, I got my website, tmcm.com. Uh, is that all the social media crap that people do? I think that's... I think pretty much. I think pretty much. Usually one thing leads to another, usually... Yeah, I, I mean, like you saw my appearances thing. I just, I just don't even. Mostly, I just draw cartoons and I try to. You just don't exist. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take little pictures of it when I'm at the bar and <laughs> upload it when I'm, you know, here's a cat that's really long and I call it a limousine cat. Huh? You know, like terrible. <laughs> I <laughs> love doing. I love doing bar art. I used to get to do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's 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 good. Well, if I hope I, you know, if you're out in either Philadelphia or New York, that it's a place that I can run into you. Absolutely, I'll be out. Um, I'm overdue a trip actually, and so I'm trying to get out there in the next month or two. A friend of mine just built a bar in his basement, a full wet bar. So I'm there now. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, come out. We've got we just moved, and I built a bar. And he, it's like a child. He sent the, all these photos of different angles. And, you know. <laughs> and this was the first pour. Exactly. No, he did. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, was it Maker's Month? What was it? It was a, it was a, it was a good scotch too. Anyway. Nice. Yeah. So I'll be out soon. Yeah. Come out. Uh, yeah. We'll have a, a scotch or vodka or yeah. something good for sure. All right, fantastic. Um, well, guys, uh, this, you've been listening to a delightful and delightfully weird, as perfectly fit for Vodka Club conversation with Shannon Wheeler. Um, you can, of course, find me at Elizabeth Amber on Twitter and AmberOnMath.com. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And be sure to, uh, if you're one of those iTunes people, to give us some sort of rating because I hear that makes a difference. And, um, you know, hey, stay gay. Cheers. <laughs> That's pretty good.